Hey everyone, welcome to City Church OTR's Sermons Podcast. Here you will find all of the sermons and teachings that are given at our Sunday services. We also have our original City Church OTR podcast, which has more conversations, interviews, and more interactive content. As always, we would love to meet you. Check out our Instagram to see what we're doing this week and our website, citychurchotr.com, to meet one of our pastors. Enjoy. Um, Like Chris said, my name's Megan, and I am the children's director here at City Church OTR. And Chris, you know, did the ask. What I want to do is if you volunteer or have volunteered in Kids, um, Kids City, would you just stand up? I know you guys probably don't want to, but would you please stand? Yes. You all, these, um, yes, let's give them. You guys can go ahead and take, you guys, these, they're rock stars. Like, I cannot express enough to you how amazing they are. Um, They um, are up with our kids, loving them every Sunday. And some people even take time outside of Sunday to do amazing things for our kids' city ministry. And so um, they, we have such a great team. We are so blessed by such a great team. And so just want to put that out there. So we have been going through the book of Acts. And last week, Chris um, was in Acts 15, and he was talking about um, going to the Jerusalem council. And they were trying to decide if uh, Gentile believers had to live under the law. Um, So essentially, they were touching on the topic of circumcision and if Gentile believers had to be circumcised or not. Notice, those, you all, if you haven't been here for a long time, the topic of circumcision always comes up when I'm talking. I don't know what it is. Thankfully, Chris did it last week, but it still pops up this week. I don't know what it is. Anyways, yeah. So they leave Jerusalem. The Lord's just pushing me out of my comfort zone, right? (laughs) So they leave the Jerusalem council, and they are in Antioch. And so Antioch, we would say, is Paul's like home church. Um, And so they are encouraging the believers there. And um, yeah, so we're going to follow in the story of Paul and Barnabas. So they've finished their first missionary journey. They're at their home church. And we're going to be in Acts 15. It's at the end, verse 36 through 41. So they, throughout their first missionary journey, I like to say they were planning communities, okay? So we like to think about them as churches, and they were churches, but they were really like people living life together, and people from all these different backgrounds, um, economic, um, social classes, um, races, all coming together, and they looked very different than everything else that was going on then. And so they, pl- they planted all these churches, they're at their home church, And I like to think that um, this is not in the Bible. Let me just like, this is in my imagination, okay? So I just want to preface this with that. I like to think that Paul and Barnabas are like sitting by a campfire, reflecting like on their first missionary journey, you know? Like, hey, remember when we were in Lystra and 
they um, like bowed down to us like we were gods. Like they thought they were Greek gods, like out of a Percy Jackson book, right? And they were bowing down to them. And they're like, no, 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 you missed the point, right? You missed the point. And then the Jewish leaders stir up and they're reflecting on these moments. And, and then they, they stone Paul almost to death. And so they're sitting here reflecting by the fire, again, not in the Bible, in my imagination. And they all of a sudden decide, hey, we should go back. We should go back and look in on these communities that we have um, started and cultivated. And so they decide to go back and encourage the churches. Let's read. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So all is like good, you know, they're reflecting, they decide to go, and then Barnabas brings up John Mark, and like everything's hunky-dory until that point, right? And so Paul or Barnabas brings up bringing John Mark with him. Now, John Mark was the assistant on their first missionary, first missionary journey. And I don't know what that really looked like being the assistant. Like, I don't know what that consisted of, but he had to have been of some value because Paul is not happy about him having left. So it was, it was, it, they were on their first missionary journey. John Mark's their assistant and he leaves he just goes. And we don't really know why. They don't really say why. We don't know if he was homesick. Some people speculate he was homesick. Some people speculate he had malaria or got sick and then went home. Um, we don't know exactly why he left, but he left. And Barnabas, apparently, Barnabas' names mean, his name means son of encouragement. So like, he was like ready to bring John Mark back, right? And ready to take him on the journey. That's probably where I would fall. But Paul was not like... He wasn't ready. He, he didn't trust John Mark. Because John Mark hadn't, <clears throat> because he had left, he had deserted them. Now, John Mark, you all, just to give some context for him, I'm going to call him John Mark. He's actually the writer of the book of Mark. Um, he's the writer of the book of Mark. He's related to Barnabas, another reason why Barnabas was maybe a little bit softer towards him. Um, but Paul was not ready to forgive him for what he had done for what he had left. And so it goes on to say, these are not words you want to see. They had such a sharp disagreement <laughs> that they parted company. Whew. Okay. So we have two people who are following the spirit, right? They're, we've seen evidence of that through Acts. Like they're following in the spirit. And these two believers get into a sharp disagreement. And I just, like, I can't imagine that. I don't know if you all can. Like, two believers getting into a fight. That never happens, right? That never happens. I don't know. <laughs> we have our, like, rose-colored glasses on, right? So this happens. We know at this point, right, if we've been out around the church for a little while. And here's the thing here. We want to look at this, and we want to put a little pretty bow on it, right? And be like, the Lord was in this somehow. Like, he, you know, he meant this for a reason. Sometimes we want to tie it with a little bow. 
When in reality, oftentimes in America, we have a Satan-less gospel. We forget that we have an enemy that is working against us, and they are going out and sharing this message of Jesus with people. Why would he not want to get in the way of that? Like, it doesn't. So, you all, in this moment, we don't know if Satan had been, like, stirring anger in them for a while, and this is just a build-up to that. We don't know if, if just in this moment, anger took over, right, instead of unity amongst the brothers. We don't really know, but... We know we have an enemy, and we know he doesn't want this message of freedom and grace to be shared. And so, they part ways. And here's the thing, you guys, you all. Satan can do a thing. He can get in the middle of a thing. But God can take that thing and use it somehow. And so now we have two different missionary journeys going out. We have Barnabas going with John Mark, and we have um, Paul who ends up taking Silas with him. And so we now have two journeys going out and speaking to people and sharing the message of the gospel when we would have had one. And so God never wastes an opportunity I don't know if you felt this in your life. One example, I think, is like a breakup that you look at down years down the road and you're like, gosh, I'm so glad that did not work out, right? (laughs) Or uh, maybe just, um, maybe it is like you have not been able to have a child, but the Lord has used that to draw you in deeper towards him. I don't know what that is for you, but God never wastes an opportunity. Okay. So, they part ways, and we don't know, you all. We don't know after that if there was any reconciliation amongst Paul, amongst Barnabas, amongst John Mark. We don't know what happened there, right? They parted ways. Have you all had that with a friend where you, you have this like big disagreement or something that comes in between you and you part ways and it's like a heaviness in your life? You still think about it and you think about it and you think about it, right? That's where, that's where we see them parting here, right? There wasn't, there wasn't reconciliation here. So in Acts it continues with Paul and Silas. It tells us where Barnabas and John Mark went, um, but it doesn't really tell us much past that. Okay, so it says, they ha- Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the bro- brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Okay, so again, we're going to go and we're going to follow Paul and Silas, and they end up going to Lystra, which Lystra is where Paul got stoned. It's like, why would you want to go back there? But he goes back because a church has been planted there, and he wants to encourage them in that, um, which shows just Paul's dedication, I think, in love for the people. But here we're going to start in chapter 16. And as we go through chapter 16, another interesting point here, I think, 
is that, and this doesn't really have to do with anything, but I think it's interesting, is we start to see the pronoun we, and so Luke likely joined them here on this journey. So he was likely with them. So a lot of, a lot of acts is like um, Luke doing research and, and interviews and asking people things, right? But here he's actually with them on part of this journey. So you'll start to see that. I think that's super interesting. Okay. He came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him mm -hmm, because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So, told you it'd pop up again, right? Okay. So here they meet a, a follower of Jesus, a, a follower of Jesus, Timothy. And here's one, you guys, that had to have been so encouraging. Like they had planted this church here and it grew to the point where we have a disciple of Jesus in this place, right? Probably multiple disciples of Jesus. We don't know, but we have Timothy who has grown in his knowledge of Jesus. And so we find Timothy here, and Timothy's mom was Jewish, his dad was Greek, and um, he would have kind of, so he took on the God of his mother, right? But the traditions that he did likely would have been through the Greek, Greek side of things, okay? So he had not been circumcised. Now this, I don't know if, if you were here last week, it's interesting, this is really interesting, because if you remember in the beginning, and if you, and Chris last week talked about how Gentile believers, which, which would kind of be him, because his, his dad was Greek, they, they didn't have to be circumcised to become saved, right? We already decided that. They don't have to be circumcised to receive their salvation. But they make the decision here to have Timothy circumcised. I have to imagine Timothy's like, like, please, I know, but sure, I don't know, right? He's like struggling with this. I don't know. That's what I like to imagine. But yeah, so you all, he didn't have to. He did not have to be circumcised to, to be a follower of Jesus. That was not required of him. But he was circumcised so that when he was preaching the message of Jesus, no one would be distracted by the fact that he was uncircumcised. He didn't want anything to get in the way of him preaching the gospel. So I have a couple of silly examples. I have one silly example, one serious example, okay? This is actually serious for me, but it's not, I, I, I understand it's not actually that serious. Some people might understand. So I really love earrings. Like I love them a lot. If you've seen me, I probably have just some pair of earrings on, you know, it just it dresses up any outfit. Girls can relate, right? Yeah, so today I didn't wear earrings for you all, okay? Because it hits the mic and it makes a noise and I didn't want it to get in the way of the message today, right? So. Silly example, but there you go, okay? I didn't want it to get in the way. And so I gave up something that I really enjoyed, okay? So that it wouldn't get in the way of this. Um, another, 
just a more serious example, but like maybe God has called you to ministry in a place where you are ministering to people who have had alcohol abuse or drug addiction. And so maybe not drinking alcohol would honor them in a way, right? It wouldn't, that, that wouldn't get in the way of you sharing the gospel in that way. What in your life, it can be two things. What in your life might be getting in between you and God? It's that love God, love people. But also, what in your life could be getting in the way of you sharing the gospel with other people? Is there anything that can be getting in the way of that? And so Timothy chose, right, the very selfless route of becoming circumcised. And, it's, and it goes on to say, it says, <clears throat> as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So then we come, we, we we're kind of gliding along, right, with Paul and Barnabas, or no, not anymore, gosh, sorry, Paul and Silas, right? We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and so we see them continue on their way, and they try to go into Asia, and the Holy Spirit will not let them. And I love like trying to envision what this looks like. Sometimes I think about it as like a force field, like they just walk and it's like boom, right? <laughs> they like won't let them in. I doubt that's how it actually happened, but you never know, okay? And um, or if it was just like a feeling they had, right? That that the Lord just not to go there, um, or maybe it's literally like I think about like. Uh, saying like way too much. I'm thinking about a flat tire and then you can't go to this place and there was a reason why, you know? Like literally the Lord is just making it very hard for them to get there. Um, we don't really know what that looks like, but eventually Paul has a dream. And in this dream, it's a man from Macedonia and he tells him to go um, into Macedonia. So they finally have their direction and they go to Macedonia and then they end up going into Philippi, um, which we may know from the book of Philippians, right? The letter to the Philippians. Um, but the church had not yet been planted there. Paul had not gone there yet. Okay, so we've now kind of finished the encouraging the first missionary journey and we're moving on to new places, okay? So they go into Philippi and typically when they go into a city, they look for the synagogue. And that's where they'll go and they'll preach this message of Jesus. Well, they go into Philippi here and they don't find a synagogue. There isn't one there. And they only put a synagogue in a city if there were 10 Jewish men in that city. So what that meant is there were not 10 Jewish men in the city, okay? So they go into Philippi, and they don't find a synagogue, but they do hear about people praying somewhere. And so they go, and they find women praying. Right? There may not have been 10 Jewish men, but there were women praying, on their knees praying and worshiping 
the God of Israel. And what's even more amazing was at least the one that we hear about wasn't even Jewish. I mean, she was, she was an Asian woman. She was, this is interesting, also completely irrelevant, but she was actually from Asia, which is where they were trying to get into and couldn't get into, right? But they keep going and they, they meet and find an Asian woman in Philippi named Lydia. And Lydia was a boss. <laughs> I like to think about her like my mom, like my mom is a boss. Um, and Lydia had made her way up. Um, we don't really know how, but she worked in the like purple fabric industry. And purple fabric was a sign of wealth, so it was a high-end industry. And she had made her way up. Here's one way we know how. It's because they called her by her first name. Typically, they would not call a woman by their first name unless she was kind of higher up in um, society. And so they would, they would call a woman by her family name. Um, <laughs> this just came to me. Uh, never mind. Irrelevant. Okay. So, um, yeah. So Lydia would have been up here. And you all, this is who God chose to start the church in Philippi. I love that so much. And here's what I want to say, you guys. God never wastes an opportunity. Jesus didn't waste an opportunity to build women up. And in the same way, here, God is not missing the opportunity to build women up. So I got a little ahead of myself, and I didn't read the scripture because I got so excited. So we're going to start at verse 13. It says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Tyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, and when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. So Lydia came to believe in this mess. So she was worshiping the God of Israel, but she didn't know the gospel. She didn't know about Jesus. So they tell her and speak to her this message of Jesus. And she comes to believe, and her household comes to believe. Another, another reason why we know she was a woman of status, she had a household, okay? And, and then the church, or community, starts in her home. And that's where I'm going to end. <laughs> Chris is going to start it up next week, right from there, maybe. So before I finish, though, I want to tie up a few like little loose ends. So we ended it off with, with Paul and John, Mark, and Barnabas, right? We didn't have any reconciliation there. And when Jesus came, he took the law, right, that they no longer had to sit under, but the law that he, but the law that um, Jesus took the law and he one-upped it. You know what I'm talking about? Like he one-upped it. So he said, the law says do not murder. I'm actually going to say do not even be angry. 
The law says, do not um, commit adultery. I'm going to say, like, do not even look at a person lustfully. The law says, do not fulfill an oath or do not, oh, fail to kind of fulfill an oath. He says, don't even make one. Like, don't even swear by anything, right? He one-ups everything. And you all, how many people this week have been angry, looked at a person lessfully, or, swear, or swore by something? Like, I was close to it this morning in my car. <laughs> when he says that, we can recognize that it is absolutely impossible for us to meet that. It's impossible. We can't do it. That's why we need Jesus. That's why he came. He upped the bar. So we, we knew we would need him. We cannot, we cannot do it. Cannot do it. Perfection is impossible for us. Now he one-upped us there. He also one-upped us after that. And he said, so in the law, it said, eye for eye, tooth for a tooth, right? So essentially, if you kill my cow, I can kill yours, <laughs> okay? Also, I was thinking about this example this week, or this week, and then I thought, wow, that really makes no sense. I was going to say, if, oh, this is so terrible. Say, if I stone you, so you stone me, but I'm thinking, you probably won't be able to, right? After. <laughs> That's so terrible. I thought about that, and I was like, terrible example. <laughs> but um, he one-upped it. He said, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek. He said, if somebody asks for you, you for something, you give them the shirt off your back. You all, the law, and, and we love this message of grace and of Jesus dying for us. But it's so much harder to, to really realize and understand. He also did that for other people. And he also calls us to do that for other people. It is also impossible for others to, to be perfect. And so we have Paul and we have John Mark and we have this, this splitting, this like this kind of tearing of a friendship, of a, of a journey that they've gone on. And then we see Paul at the end of his life and these are the words that he says. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's verse 11. He says, Only Luke is with me. Get John Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Here's what we know. We know that Paul and John Mark were walking in the spirit. They were following Jesus. And that spirit desires a, a, a reconciliation. It doesn't want that, you guys remember that like weight that we were talking about when you have a feud with somebody that is unresolved? That gets in the way. Have you guys felt that? It's on your mind, that unforgiveness is on your mind and on your heart. It can get in the way of you 
ministering to people, right? Have you guys felt that? So the, desi- the desire of God is for those things to be forgiven and reconciled. And that's why Jesus came for us. We had a long list. Long list. And Jesus came and washed it in his blood. So if we have somebody in our lives with a long list, we look first at the cross and what Jesus did for us. We recognize our brokenness. And then we can look at another broken person, just like us, and give them the same grace. So you all, who is that for you? Who is the Lord putting on your heart for you to forgive? If you would like prayer in that, um, Chris will be praying and I'll be praying um, during worship. Um, And I just, if that is really hard for you, one of the things this week, you guys, it was so sweet sitting in the message of Jesus this week because it just fully helps us understand how much we need him. Sit in that message first and the Lord will give you the grace to give out. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the sacrifice that you have made for us that you have washed our hearts. Father, that the, the list that we have, even just today for me, Father, I come to you and you wash it. You wash it clean in Jesus' blood. Father, help us to recognize our need for you. Walk with us in this um, just ministry of reconciliation, of forgiveness. And would you, gosh, I, Father, I can see the huge wall there. Sometimes there's a huge wall getting in the way of that happening. And would you just break it down? Father, with your blood, would you just break it down? Let it dissolve away. Father, thank you for how much you love us, that you did not just leave us here, but that you died for us so that we could walk in freedom and so that we could walk with you. Amen.